great to see you, Purpose Church, and happy Lunar New Year. Uh, we are continuing our 2023 series in which we cover the 66 books of the Bible in 52 weeks. The title of our series is Jesus on Every Page. And we're going to see how Jesus is in every book of the Bible and how he is the lead of humanity's story. And uh, the title of the first five books of the Bible that were written by Moses is Where It All Began. And the title for today's study of the fourth book of the Bible is Numbers, Jesus, Our Bronze Snake in the Wilderness. Now, the approach we usually will be taking with each book is the head, the heart, and the hands. Uh, the head. Uh, what can we know about the book that will help us to better understand it? The heart. Where is Jesus in each book? And then the hands. How does this book apply practically to my everyday life? Now, I like this approach because it will hopefully uh, connect with three different kinds of people. The head is for people who change most by getting new information. The heart is for those who change most by having their emotions touched. And the hands are for those who change the most uh, from practical instruction from God's Word. Now, after 42 years as a pastor, I always laugh a little bit when someone says, I like deep preaching. I like deep preaching because I have encountered as many different definition, definitions of deep preaching as there are Christians. There's as many uh, definitions of deep preaching as there are Christians that I've encountered. So deep preaching is really just a code word for preaching that I like. Um, some define it as intellectual, some as emotional, uh, some as practical, some as political, some as progressive, some as humorous, and some as informational. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul writes, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. Another possible translation for that uh, verse from the Greek is this, the person who loves has full knowledge. The person who loves has full knowledge. So deep preaching is preaching that helps us to love God more and to love other people more. Uh, for some, uh, deep preaching is dependent on how uh, they personally like the preacher. If they like the preacher, it's deep preaching. If they don't like the preacher, it's not deep preaching. If they've been uh, hurt or offended by that preacher in some way. I love this poem by uh, Chuck Swindoll. Uh, it goes like this. I have a pastor. A time was when he was a good pastor. I pronounced him great. This I did because I liked him. His sermons were wonderful as long as I liked him. His speech was passing fair as long as I liked him. He was a hard worker as long as I liked him. He was the man for the job as long as I liked him. In fact, I was strong for him as long as I liked him. But my pastor offended me one day. Whether he knew it or not, I do not know. Since that day, my pastor has ceased to be a good pastor. He's just an ordinary one. His sermons are not so wonderful since he offended me. His speech is of no account since he offended me. His faults are more prominent since he offended me. 
He is not a hard worker since he offended me. He's not the man for the job since he offended me. He doesn't feed me anymore since he offended me. And so sometimes it's connected with the relationship uh, that you have with the particular uh, speaker. So let's start with the head, okay? Uh, orienting data for numbers. Now the book of Numbers uh, was uh, written based on the King James translation of Numbers chapter 1 verse 3. From 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And so this is where we get the word uh, numbers. In modern translations, uh, this number literally means to count. So actually, in a more modern uh, setting, numbers should be called counting. It's the book of counting. So are you a math major? Any of you watching right now online? Uh, are, are you a math major? Well, this is your book. Now, speech, speaking of numbers, our Bible reading plan each year, each week, uh, takes about five to ten minutes a day, and it'll give you a taste of the book. So the Bible reading plan that follows, for example, Numbers this week, uh, will give you a daily reading plan, take you about five or ten minutes each day uh, for the next seven days, and it'll give you a taste uh, for the book. But if you want to read the whole book in a week, it's going to take you anywhere from five hours uh, to read the book of Psalms to two minutes to read either the book of 2 John or the book of 3 John. Each of those take just two minutes to read. Now, Numbers is somewhere in between. It takes around three hours to read the book of Numbers as if you'd read it like any other book uh, from cover to cover. The content of this book. The Israelites long stay in the desert as they journey from Mount Sinai to the plains of Moab. It's historical coverage. Uh, 40 years, a period within which the generation that left Egypt died off. And then the emphasis uh, is preparation for military conquest of the promised land, God's covenant loyalty toward Israel with regard to the land, Israel's repeated failure to keep covenant with God, God's leadership of his people and affirmation of Moses' leadership, Preparations for entering and worshiping in the promised land, conquest and settlement of the land east of the Jordan of the Jordan River. Now, another major theme that we have in the book of Numbers is the sin of complaining. This, this really, there are so many examples of this in the book of Numbers, and I would say that it's the major practical theme in the book of Numbers is the sin of complaining. You could even call this. Uh, the, the book of complaining, because Israel complained so much from beginning to end of their 40 years in the wilderness. Now, there is, of course, a non-sinful complaining when you are simply expressing your needs, okay? Nothing sinful about that. You're simply expressing your needs. But here in the book of Numbers, we find nothing but what I would call sinful complaining. Now, uh, this is a perfect challenge for the day and age, the time, the culture in which we live. We are surrounded by a culture of complaining. And much of it is sinful complaining, not just the expression of our needs. Now, I want you to know, through this whole message, uh, if I'm pointing one finger at you, I'm pointing three fingers plus a thumb back on me. Okay, so this is basically 
this message. I'm preaching to myself, and I invite you uh, to listen in. As Americans, we live in one of the most prosperous environments in the history of humanity. And yet, ironically, complaining is a national pastime. Uh, Mike Tyson once said, Social media made you all way, made you all way too comfortable with disrespecting people and not getting punched in the face for it. I've heard it said, why are we so disrespectful to each other online? Well, you'd never say that to a person face to face because you might get punched like with Mike Tyson. Uh, but you'll, we'll do it. We'll do it on, on social media. Uh, here's another one I got a kick out of. Life is short. Life is short. Make sure you spend as much time as possible on the internet arguing with strangers. And then probably my favorite one is this one. I don't always complain, but when I do, oh, just kidding, I always complain. And I think you'd agree with me that we live in a culture of complaining. Uh, according to uh, a recent survey, the average person complains three times a day. And also, according to this survey, less than half of us think we could go a whole day without one complaint. Here are the top 10 things uh, that people tend to complain about by this survey. Number one, bad customer service. Number two, telemarketers and robocalls. Number three, people who cut in line. Number four, feeling cold. Number five, packages or letters that don't show up on time. Number six, traffic. Number seven, trouble connecting to Wi-Fi. Number eight, litter and people who litter. Number nine, the weather. And number 10, feeling too hot. Now, if you look back through several of these, you'll see that the flip side of this is actually a blessing within our life. We complain about bad customer service, but that means somebody is serving us. We complain about telemarketers and robocalls trying to get our money, but that means that we have money that they're, they're trying uh, to get. Um, number five, uh, packages uh, that don't show up on time. Well, that's because there are packages that we are receiving. We complain about traffic, but that means we have a car. We have trouble connecting to Wi-Fi, but that means we have a computer. And so, really, if you, if you look at that, these are all opportunities uh, for, for gratitude, but instead we use them as opportunities to complain. Uh, here's some more examples. Let's watch this. So I pay $5 for a two-hour movie and then realize that my flight is only 90 minutes long. I mean, come on! I think I slept too much. Honey, the fridge is full. Babe, my coffee mug is too tall for the Keurig. What am I supposed to do with my leftover chicken fajitas? I'm hungry, but I'm not like hungry, hungry. I'm not hungry, hungry. I'm not hungry, hungry. I'm not hungry, hungry. I don't even know if I'm hungry. It's 11 o'clock, and I don't know whether to eat breakfast or lunch. I think I'm hungry. I hate watching Blu-rays on this TV. It looks too real. I'm not even hungry. My phone is 4G, but we don't have 4G coverage where we live, so it's the worst. This is the worst. No! Oh! Oh! I clicked restart instead of shut down. I have to wait for it to start back up again so I can shut it down. I hate it. I'm like too healthy. I never get to use any of my sick days. Closet full of clothes, nothing to wear. My white noise machine broke last night and I didn't get any sleep. 
There's nothing to watch. There is nothing to watch. The bottom of my foot has been itching all day, but it tickles when I scratch it. I didn't finish brushing my teeth this morning. My battery died halfway through. <laughs> I hate that. My hair smells like Starbucks. My hand smells like Starbucks. My iPad smells like Starbucks. That's the worst. Hmm. <laughs> I lost it. Just shoot me. Ah, oh, just shoot me. Put me out of my misery. Kill me now. Just shoot me in the face. Wasn't I just chewing gum? I don't remember spitting it out. Now let's apply it specifically to us as Christians in America. As American Christians, we experience less persecution than many of the other countries in the world, and yet we still complain uh, like the culture uh, around us. Uh, this week, a report came out that global Christian persecution is at its highest rate in, in 30 years. Highest rate of persecution of followers of Jesus around the world in, in the past, uh, uh, today, the highest rate in 30 years. Uh, the top 10 countries where persecution is the greatest are North Korea, Somalia, Yemen, Eritrea, uh, Libya, Nigeria, number seven, Pakistan, number eight, Iran, number nine, Afghanistan, and number 10, uh, Sudan. So we have got to watch out for being uh, ungrateful because the, uh, around the world and around our culture, uh, this culture of complaining that we find ourselves in, we ourselves can be uh, brought into it and begin to be ungrateful as well. The sin of ingratitude leads to a spirit of complaining. The sin of ingratitude leads to a spirit of complaining. Here's basically a theme verse for the book of Numbers. It's in Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Basically a theme verse for the entire book. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be grateful, and we need to resist the spirit of complaining that is all around us. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul wrote in Philippians 2, verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Paul says that that if we uh, learn to be grateful rather than complaining, it will make us stand out. If we don't conform to the world, but instead we are transformed by grateful hearts and gratitude, uh, if we do that, it says that we will stand out like children of God without fault in a warped and crooked and complaining generation. Then, uh, people will look at us as people of gratitude rather than people of complaining, and we will shine among them, shine among uh, the people that are not following Jesus like stars uh, in, in the sky. 
uh, ask the question, are we thermometers or are we thermostats? Let's watch this together. There are two instruments that measure the temperature of an environment, the thermometer and the thermostat. The thermometer just reacts to the temperature of the environment. When the environment heats up, the thermometer goes up. When the environment cools down, the thermometer goes down. But then there's the thermostat. Unlike the thermometer, the thermostat doesn't just read the temperature of the room, it changes the temperature of the room. Thermometers are reactive. Thermostats are proactive. Some people are like thermometers. When it comes to the environmental temperature of the relationships in their life, they simply react to the changes. When a situation gets heated, they get heated. When a situation grows cold, they grow cold. Others, well, they're like thermostats. They don't change with the environment, they change the environment. When others are cold, they warm them up with love. When tempers are hot, they cool them down with peace beyond understanding. So the question is, which one are you? Are you reactive or proactive? Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? The Bible says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. In other words, don't be changed by your environment. Instead, be changed by God's transforming power. Then, like a supernatural thermostat, you won't just change the room, you'll change the world. Now the first step to becoming a thermostat rather than a thermometer is for us to analyze what are the reasons, the underlying reasons uh, that we uh, complain. And so let's look in the book of Numbers now at five reasons that we complain as we find them here with the Israelites in the book of, of Numbers. Uh, number one, reason number one, we complain when we lose perspective. Numbers 11, verse 4, the rabble with them began to crave other food. You see, God provided for them uh, manna in the wilderness. And it was a wonderful thing. They didn't have to work for it. All they had to do was gather it. And yet over time, they got bored with God's provision for them. And they began to crave other food other than the manna that God provided to them. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Now, why didn't it cost them anything in Egypt? Because they were slaves. They were slaves in Egypt. That's why the food didn't cost them anything. They, they, they were slaves. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and, and the garlic. And you even begin to wonder, you know, how much of that stuff did they actually get to eat as slaves in Egypt? But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. They forgot about the misery of slavery in Egypt. They, they lost their perspective. And so many times we complain, I complain, uh, because we lose our perspective. And, and, and we kind of forget the past. And we forget what Jesus has rescued us from. And we forget what he saved us from. 
And so we begin to get tired of the manna, the provision that God gives to us. We lose our perspective and it leads us to complain. And then a second reason that we see in, in the book of Numbers is we complain when we are jealous of someone else. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron, uh, these were the brother and sister of Moses, began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite or Ethiopian wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they ask? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on, on the face of the earth. Now we don't know exactly uh, what's going on in this passage. It could have been racism because Moses had uh, married this uh, Cushite wife from, from Ethiopia. So there could have been some racism involved here with Miriam and Aaron. It could have been that they were pushed down the pecking order. Maybe they saw Moses' wife, most likely Zipporah, uh, his wife, had become influential in his life. And so they were worried. It used to be Moses, then Aaron, then Miriam. Uh, so they were number two and number three. And maybe because his wife was so influential, it pushed them down to number three and number four. So as Moses was the most influential then his wife was second most influential. Maybe it pushed him down in the pecking order. Aaron now number three and Miriam number four. Reminds me of a funny story I heard a while back that when Alaska became a state in the United States, the people of Texas complained because, they, uh, because now they were number two. They were no longer the biggest state in the United States. They were now the second biggest. And the Alaskans said to them, if you don't stop complaining, we're going to cut Alaska in two and make you number three, because you could actually cut Alaska in, in two parts, and each part would still be bigger than the state of Texas. So it could have been that they were pushed down the pecking order. But the main thing that was going on is that they were jealous of, of Moses. And when we are jealous of someone, it leads to a complaining spirit. And then number three, we complain when we are afraid, particularly when we're afraid of change. And there's change in our future, and that leads us to be afraid, and that leads us to complain. In chapter 13, Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land to do reconnaissance, and they come back with good news and, and with bad news. The good news was that the land was absolutely fantastic. But the bad news was that the people guarding the land were powerful, and this scared the Israelites. Uh, Numbers 14, verse 5, verse 1 through 5. Uh, that night, after hearing this report, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. And later on, God says, those children that you said will be taken as plunder, they're the ones that are going to go with Joshua and conquer the promised land. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Reject Moses as their leader, pick a new leader, and go back to Egypt. Back now think about that for a moment. Back to slavery in Egypt. 
Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly that was uh, gathered there. And so sometimes when we're afraid, that leads us to complain. And then number four, we complain when we resist God's authority in, in our life. Number 16, verse 1. Korah, son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, and On, son of Peleth, became insolent. That's against Moses, who was the representative of God's authority within their lives. And they rose up against Moses. With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you have gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? When Moses heard this, he fell face, he fell face down. Uh, they had rejected God's authority in their lives. Moses hadn't elevated himself to that position. He was the most humble man that ever lived. He didn't want that position. Remember in the burning bush, he said, God, choose somebody else. But God said, no, I choose you. And he represented God's authority within their lives. So when they rebelled against Moses and Aaron, they were actually rebelling against God. And then number five, we complain when we are impatient with God's timing in our life. We complain when we're impatient, when God's gonna do a good thing for us, but it's according to his timetable rather than our timetable. Now chapter 20, Numbers chapter 20, uh, verse two. Now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Now, God was going to give them all those good things. Uh, he was going to give them water. He was going to give them plenty of fruit. He was going to give them great prosperity. The nation of Israel is one of the most prosperous pieces of land on the face of planet Earth. It is the breadbasket for, uh, for Europe. Uh, it's a citrus um, powerhouse today uh, for all, all, all of Europe. It was a marvelous land. And God was going to give them all of those things in the promised land, but they had to wait for God's timing. And because they were unable to wait, they began to complain. Now, here's the good news uh, that we're going to finish off our time with together. The good news is God will provide for us in spite of our complaining. God is so full of grace, so full of mercy, that he provides for us in spite of of our complaining. Let's continue the story in, 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 in verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together, speak to that rock. Now he had very specific command as to how God wanted Moses to do this. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. 
You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. So, so far, so good. He's doing it exactly the way that God commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, uh-oh, didn't speak to the rock. He's going off script now. He's, he's not doing it the way that God said he was supposed uh, to do it. And at this point, Moses finally snaps. He's been so humble up until this point. His response was always up until this point to fall face down before the Lord and say, Lord, when people complain about me, when people criticize me, Lord, I just, I just place it before you. Yeah. Lord, Lord, you deal with it. He's done that all through his life. And now he just snaps one day and he just can't take it anymore. And so Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Okay, he is going to give them a piece of his mind. He is going to let it rip. He's had enough. Listen, you rebels, must we, uh-oh, uh-oh, where'd this we stuff come from? It's all about God. It's not about him. He's God's representatives, but he is not God. It's, he represents God's power, but he's not the power. Uh, he, he's not the one that's providing here. We, where did we come from? Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock, I imagine in great anger, struck it twice with his staff. He, he completely went off script. He disobeyed God. Now here's the marvelous thing about God. Did God say, okay, no water. You disobeyed, you complained, you had this temper tantrum, no water. No, God is so merciful that water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. And then verse 12, but, okay, God, God provided the water in spite of his disobedience, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. You could bring them right up to the promised land. You could go up on a mountain and see the promised land, but you weren't allowed to lead them into the promised land. Did God provide for the Israelites in spite of their complaining? Yes. Did God use Moses in spite of his complaining? Yes. Is Moses in heaven? Yes. But did Moses get to completely fulfill God's plan for his life? No. So God will still take care of us. God will forgive us. We'll be in heaven but complaining will hinder and thwart God's purpose in your life. Okay, God's merciful. He's full of grace. But that doesn't mean that there are consequences to a spirit of complaining. And it'll hold back. It'll hinder. It'll thwart. God, God did, Moses had most of the purpose that God had in store for him. Most of it was fulfilled, but not all of it was fulfilled because he finally caved in to that spirit of complaining from the Israelites that had surrounded him for so many years. Now, Paul in the New Testament tells us that Jesus is in this story. 
He wrote to the Corinthians and said, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. That is, the Israelites coming through the Red Sea, the opening of the Red Sea as they left Egypt. Uh, they were all baptized into Moses, in a sense, in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Another name for Jesus. He's the rock that provides water in the wilderness. Now, here's another piece of good news. Not only will God still provide for us in spite of our complaining, God will forgive us for our complaining. Numbers chapter 21. They travel from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. This to me is like one of the worst judgments as somebody who's petrified of snakes. This is like one of the worst judgments in all the Bible. Uh, the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, a, like a bronze snake, a replica of the snakes, and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Look in faith and, and, and live. Um, so Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they, they lived. And so uh, here we have, uh, this is the last uh, that we hear of the Israelites complaining. God, Moses puts up that bronze snake, as you can see this artist's representation of it here. And whenever by faith the people looked at the bronze snake, then they were healed. Um, and it's an interesting thing. This is the last we hear of the people of Israel complaining in the wilderness. Do you know that, that somehow this event and God's wonderful forgiveness of them at the end of this event, uh, all of a sudden a light bulb went off and they finally understood. Their, their hearts were finally right. In Romans 2 verse 4, Paul says that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. And God's mercy to them and his kindness to them finally got through. And, and this is the last we ever hear of the people of Israel complaining in the wilderness. And here again, we see Jesus in this story. John chapter 3. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, Jesus, must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray together as we close our time. And if you've never received that, that free gift of forgiveness uh, from God through Jesus, if you've never 
uh, in a sense, looked at the bronze snake lifted up on the pole in the wilderness. I want to give you a chance to do that right now, to receive God's forgiveness. I just want you to say with me uh, three words, sorry, thank you, and please. Um, wherever you are, sitting in your living room, uh, listening later on in your car, at your computer, first of all, say, God, I'm sorry. The Israelites finally came to Moses and said, I am sorry for the sin of complaining and a bunch of other uh, sins as well. I'm sorry. But thank you, Jesus, for coming and being that bronze snake in the wilderness. Thank you for being lifted up on the cross so that those that look at you, just like the Israelites looked on the bronze snake, in, in the, in anyone that looks to Jesus will be forgiven. Thank you. And please now, I, I, I put my hope and my trust in you. Uh, please be my Savior, be my Lord, be my leader, be my King. Have mercy on me. Oh God, forgive me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And wherever you are, would you just say out loud with me, uh, amen, which means you agree with this prayer. Just write out loud wherever you are. Say amen and amen.